I'm Victoria Doherty, and welcome to the cold. Cold is the way revenge is best served, the way a war was fought, and the way a story should be told. And damn, have we got a cold story for you this week. Um, One of my favorite stories of all time, we're going to be talking about probably one of the greatest characters in literature, a character that has captured the imagination of the world, of generations, and there doesn't appear to be any end in sight to the fascination that we have with Dracula. Despite my almost unnatural love for the thriller, especially the spy thriller. My favorite novel of all time is actually Bram Stoker's Dracula. It is, in my humble opinion, the most highly original and genuinely terrifying story I have ever read. Bram Stoker has brought into the public consciousness a character so confounding, erudite, and manly in the classical sense that I think it's safe to say that he's the only monster that makes women want to both scream and swoon. I think the whole vampire genre has given new meaning to the Bible's warning to resist, to resist the glamour of evil. It's turned us into undead junkies and actually convinced us that becoming a murdering, blood-sucking, night-dwelling, hell-bound, semi-immortal creature might not be so bad. Not if we get to spend much of that time cozying up to the Count in his coffin. And while Frank Langella was probably the first to interpret our favorite vampire, no, not Edward, from Twilight, in this sort of blatantly romantic way, the raw material was always there. Dracula looks a woman straight in the eye and he stares blatantly, lustfully at her body. He runs his lips softly over the skin of her neck. He whispers his needs into her ear. Salacious moves aside, his manners are courtly and, well, perfect. According to legend, he can't even enter your house unless you invite him in. He's a pretty good dresser, too, in an old-fashioned sort of way. And can he dance? (laughs) You bet. No white man's overbite there. But what I think makes Dracula such a fine ladies' man in spite of his obvious limitations namely being a demon from hell who wants to drain you of all of your blood, is something many of us women are loath to admit. It's what makes the modern man school
schooled in the art of sensitive conduct want to slam his fist into a table and scream, unfair, and makes liberated women from all over seethe with righteous anger. It's that, like it or not, when Dracula unbuttons the top button of our lacy nightgown and says in that deep, commanding voice of his, you will cross land and sea to do my bidding. Even the most strident of us want to whisper, okay. It's true, isn't it? There is just something so deeply romantic about that character. And I think it was in part, although Bram Stoker did certainly didn't mean for the character to be um, too romantic. I mean, he certainly wrote Dracula as a horror as a horror story, and it and it most definitely comes off as a horror story when reading it and I so highly recommend reading it. I've read that book probably three or four times excuse me because I just think it's such a masterpiece but um, it, you know what Stoker did do was of course make Dracula absolutely fascinating he made him fascinating to the men in the story as well as women. Jonathan Harker is utterly compelled by him when he goes to meet him in Transylvania in the beginning of the book to facilitate the sale of of, um, of this large abbey that, that uh, the Count is buying in England. And it's because here is a man who knows so much about history. He's a great conversationalist. And he is so clearly a man of the shadows. You know, he is dressed well. He is in this castle. He is this count in this foreign land. And foreign lands were really quite foreign back before plane travel. And when it took a really, really long time to get from one place to another, you know, the count might as well have been from another planet, though he was, you know, from Romania. And one of the things Stoker also did that was just so brilliant is that really we hardly ever saw the Count. And that was really what created, well, for one thing, it was, it was what gave him a personal allure and also I would say a sexual allure because sex is based so much on mystery, um, especially you know, in the sort of crush phase of, of, of sex. And the Count was incredibly mysterious. I mean, I think if you read, you know, having, having read Dracula, if you made the novel, you know, chapter by chapter, say a film, Dracula probably would have been on screen for maybe 10 minutes in a two to three hour film. Uh, but he hovers spoken and unspoken throughout the entire novel. And so you feel his presence. You almost feel as if he 
is watching everyone. Every, you know, every scene, he's there, whether, and he's not, you know, I mean, he is, he is mostly, you know, not present. And yet you do feel his presence all the time. And it is so sublime. And it really does make even the more sort of mundane scenes where um, the characters are just sort of talking about what they're going to do next, let's say. It, it makes them exciting because you're thinking, oh my God, does the, does the Count know? Is he listening to this? How is he going to thwart this? What's he going to do? Are we going to see him? And really, that's part of it. The whole time, you are like a teenage girl reading this story, thinking, when am I going to see him next? Might I run into him at the record store? Might I run into him um, at school or wherever? I mean, it, it is, it, it, you know, we as a reader almost develop this, this crush-like obsession with that character. And... I think that when it comes to the horror genre, when it comes to really writing an interesting monster or villain, that is a very important part of it. And it's, I think it, it makes for the most successful horror stories. I mean, even I think Halloween Kills is outright the, the umpteenth chapter of the Halloween saga. And, you know, that has also been done very skillfully, although Mike Myers has no sexual allure. He really is just this, this sort of killer. Um, the mystery of him, they, they, you know, the mystery part, they've gotten quite right you know just nailed that part and really without that you have a pretty dull story there has to be a backstory to the monster to the ghost to the creature to the villain a compelling backstory that makes you invested in this person's evil perhaps in their possible redemption and getting back to Dracula, Dracula in the book actually is redeemed in the end. And it is a very sort of brief glimpse that we get into his redemption because just as he is killed, um, as they drive the stake through his heart, he regains his soul and you know that because you see a smile come over his face as he dies. So as we go into this last week before Halloween, I encourage you all to dress up, to read ghost stories, to enjoy this wonderful, spooky, spiritual time of year, which is one of my favorite times of year. My kids always have just the best costumes. They're so clever about it. And kids are just so clever about costumes these days in general. And I think we as adults should indulge in that as well. Have a great one and stay cold, my friends. See you next week. Mm-hmm.